Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So for today's episode, we are diving into the story of Esther. Uh, not Easter, that's coming up later, that's a month away or so, but the story of Esther. Now, if you don't know about Esther, she is amazing. She's one of only two females who have books of the Bible named after them. Ruth is, of course, the other one. There's a possible third one if you want to talk about the Apocrypha, which is not canon. It's a whole other can of worms to talk about that, so we're not going to open that right now. But we'll just we'll sum it up. Esther is one of two She's, she represents 50% of the, of the females that got a book of the Bible named after them, right? So she's a huge deal, big deal. And actually, the reason I'm bringing her up right now and the reason that we're talking about her this week is uh, in Judaism, there's actually a whole holiday surrounding Esther. It's one of the most fun, one of the nicest, most kind of chill of all the Jewish holidays. It's called Purim or Purim. Uh, and it's a lesser holiday meaning it's not quite as huge of a deal as, say, Passover or Yom Kippur. Kind of like if you think of Christmas and Thanksgiving as major holidays here in the U.S., then we've got, like, what, like Labor Day kind of on the back end. Like, you take the day off, you do some stuff, maybe you have some fun, but uh, Walmart doesn't close, right? That's (laughs) It doesn't doesn't stack up high enough for that to happen. So uh, maybe that's not a super accurate uh, analogy there, but just kind of give you a little bit of a frame of reference. But it's a fun holiday nonetheless. It's super cool, and it's an amazing story. It's so fun. The holiday itself focuses on pretty much the reading of the story of Esther. They add some extra stuff, some other fun elements to it. So as you're reading it in your group or in your congregation or whoever, as you're, as you're going through it, and not to get into any spoilers just yet, but uh, the story of Esther has the, the bad guy, Haman, right, and the good guy, Mordecai, and, of course, the heroine of the story who stopped genocide from happening, literally, uh, Esther herself, right? And it, it's so cool that when, in traditionally speaking, when the story is read, uh, usually children in the audience will, when they hear, they, they listen intently. And when they hear the name of the villain, Haman, read aloud in the story, it's customary to either stomp your feet or to use a noisemaker, a grogger or something like that, to, to, to kind of boo, to boo the bad guy. And I don't know how this is going to come out on the microphone. I did uh, borrow a couple groggers, and I'm not going to do it for every time his name comes up in the story. That would get kind of ridiculous. But just so that we're all on the same page, this is what the noise that you would be hearing when the villain's name is said, right? So you'd be reading through, and Heyman... And I'm sure that was horrible, and I might have to go change the pitch of that later. We'll see uh, in post edit. I don't know. I've never I've never recorded the sound of a grogger uh, on this microphone. So, yeah, or any or any microphone for that matter. Anyway, so generally you would make these noises and like boo and like right for the bad guy, and then in some traditions they cheer for when Mordecai is named or when Esther's name is said, depending on you know how you grew up or whatever, and. Uh, it, it's super fun, super cool, especially for the kids to just get involved in everything. Uh, it also, I think, from what I've heard, from what I understand, in in Israel itself uh, <laughs> and a couple other places, it has become tradition for some to drink 
heavily on, on Purim. <laughs> uh, it is supposed to be a celebration and a joyful time. And booze is a very good way to do that, as we all know. Uh, it, it even there's some some of it, some of the tradition stems from a fourth century rabbi that recommends to drink on Purim until the person, until you cannot even distinguish between cursing Haman or blessing Mordecai. So when you're trying to listen and you're trying to do your groggers or you're trying to cheer for the hero or cheer you know cheer for Esther or whatever, there's there's some there's one there's one rabbi's notes in the Talmud that says that you should drink until you can't even tell the difference. Which uh, I'm sure has a deeper meaning uh, than just getting loaded, just an excuse or permission to get loaded, but that's kind of where where the drinking comes from. So if there was ever a holiday that matches up with this show, Getting Biblical, it would be this holiday. It would be Purim, uh, the holiday where you drink too much and talk about your favorite Bible story. It's a pretty pretty perfect match. So, And, of course, the holiday like revolves around food, right, which is amazing, uh, often potato-related dishes and desserts. And also this cool thing, children, and sometimes adults uh, if they wish, but mostly children are encouraged to dress up as their favorite character from the story. So it's not quite Jewish Halloween, but it's as close as we're gonna get, right? There, there is no Jewish Halloween. Uh, we don't have a one-to-one -one ratio of, of actually scary zombies or ghosts or whatever type thing, but uh, this is the, the, the one holiday where it's encouraged for them to dress up. And it's it's fun and it's neat. And you can always like keep your eye on whatever little kid decides at five years old that he wants to dress up as Haman like that's that's a that's a almost like a dark omen or something or dark uh, uh foretelling foreshadowing of of how that kid's gonna live his life possibly if he's if he's wanting to dress up like the bad guy but anyway it's a fun time it's a fun holiday uh, I don't have children I don't think that I ever will but if I do uh, I can't wait to celebrate this with them uh, and and get out the groggers and do all that fun stuff so it's a great story can't wait to talk about it but first of course in the spirit of the holiday let's talk about what I'm drinking so originally I had planned to try and get like a dessert wine or something there's a lot of uh, sometimes like sweets that are eaten for Purim uh, that type of thing, and I was gonna try to do that. It was, a, you know, I had some ideas in mind, and I ended up uh, having kind of a crazy day at work. Didn't go as I had planned. Uh, we got much busier than I thought. Um, some unexpected stuff. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You don't care. I get it. So I didn't stop by the store. I came straight home, and I had this bottle of wine sitting around for a while uh that i had like about six months i think uh four or five months six months which isn't a long long time i know but <laughs> it sat it sat untouched and decided to go ahead and bust it out it was the closest thing i had to something that i felt like drinking and it's a it is a bordeaux so a bordeaux is so wine wine can be confusing if you don't know about it so there are let's say like nine or so different types of wine. Merlot, right, the cabs, you've got the Pinot Noirs, you've, uh, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Not, not gonna go through the whole list today, but and then you've got the other other things, other mentions, other other words that sound like they are wines, like this, like, the, like a Bordeaux, which sounds like another type of wine, but it actually isn't. It, I mean, it kind of is, but it's not in the bigger classifications of 
what wines are or types of wines. Bordeaux just means that it comes from that area of France. It's actually more like a legal term, kind of like when you say it's Kentucky whiskey, it has to come from Kentucky, right? You can't sell it out of Portland or whatever and call it a Kentucky whiskey. Uh, it has to be made in that state. So is that kind of a legal uh, clarification, if you will? So a Bordeaux is from Bordeaux, France, and it uh, the wine from that region, there's this whole thing, it's really interesting, where there's like a like a river or whatever that comes through it, and on the, on the one side of the river, they make it one way, on the other side of the river, they make it another way, and, uh, but it, ultimately, most of them, there's some flexibility, but most of them are all a blend of Merlot, and cab right uh, i love i love merlot merlot is my favorite type of wine out there cab is like in the top three so uh, a bordeaux should match my specifications pretty well and uh, i found this one this was at just my local grocery store they had a, a buy one get one free offer still not as cheap as the aldi's wine per bottle but i, I figured i'd give it a shot and uh, I'm gonna be honest, I don't, I don't love it. <laughs> I kind of like the label, honestly. The it's got like a cow, but it's got it, it all like portioned out as, and then it has a grid on the bottom of letting you know what the different cuts of meat are. Like, oh, you know, number six on this map of a cow's body is the is a fillet. But there's like the 33 different cuts of a cow and the different parts of the animal. And this wine is supposed supposedly is marketed as supposed to be paired with barbecuing. And it's actually I I kind of respect it, but I'll tell you why I don't in a second. The name of the bottle is just Best Bordeaux quality. I like it because the on the the label they have bolded out in red font whatever the b from the word best the b from the word bordeaux and the q from quality so it's you know best bordeaux quality also bbq barbecue and uh it, it does that's cute right it's kind of nice what's not cute <laughs> what's not nice is when you try to google them as a company or like a wine brand and try to look up information on them you try to google best bordeaux quality wine or whatever all you get are top 10 lists on buzzfeed and bullshit <laughs> like just talking about different brands and it's very hard to find information on this one in particular but it doesn't matter it was i don't know at the grocery store i'm not looking to get sponsored <laughs> by them or anything to be quite honest uh, i'm gonna go back to my Aldi's Merlot very shortly, I think. It's not it's not for me personally, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm drinking tonight. That's what we're doing, drinking wine, and we're talking about Esther. So all that to say, let's talk more about her. <laughs> so the story of Esther. Let me go ahead and lay out the groundwork and the characters for you. So if you've been keeping up with the show and where we're at with Moses and everything, uh, this story is quite a bit in the future. It's after the temple in Jerusalem has been built and then destroyed again. And now the whole territory has fallen under Persian rule, right? The Persians are in charge of the area. And the king of Persia, and I'm only going to try to say his name once. Uh, I'm not even good at this. King, I, I, I feel like, I don't know, if, as you've been listening to the show, maybe you've been like, laughing at me behind my back about how I pronounce names, but I think for the most part I do a pretty good job for most of them. I think I think I nail it often, right? For these old names that we actually maybe may or may not know uh, how to how to actually pronounce. But 
so his name and it's very long to spell it. I'm not going to waste the airtime to do it, but the way that it looks like it should be pronounced King Ahasuerus. Uh, it's a H and then like a dinosaur, right? It's like a comedian dinosaur, like Ahasuerus, like, yeah, <laughs> that's horrible. Uh, but, but a lot of texts refer to him as King Xerxes, right? The X E R X E S, right? So we've, and that's a name we've heard before, right? Xerxes, Xerxes. So take your pick, I guess, whatever. But I, I was just going to say the king. Uh, the king of Persia took over everything from India to Ethiopia, like 127 provinces, as the story goes. A massive kingdom. And after he'd taken over the whole area and, and what felt accomplished and everything, he decided to have a big party to celebrate. And when I say a big party... Like, I have big parties. Like, when I, we do it for Halloween, we do it for my birthday, we do it for other times. We have big parties, we do it up. I can't even compare to this guy. His big party lasted 180 days, half a year long of this party. Like, can you imagine? Like, I, I have friends that have trouble hanging out past 9 p.m. Like, they, <laughs> they try to, like, hide in a corner and fall asleep on a couch somewhere uh, after 9 p.m. Can you imagine a 180-day rager? It sounds amazing. <laughs> if, I had, if only I had a time machine. Anyway, and then after the 180-day period, the dad, he decided that he wasn't done yet and had another seven-day-long feast, which I guess is a clear distinction in the Bible between a party and a feast. Uh, they seem like they're kind of interchangeable terms, but it didn't say he had a 187-long-day party. No, he had a 180-day party and then a seven-day-long feast. So he has a seven-day-long feast after the party with his dude bros, but his, and his wife wasn't really there, uh, Queen Vashti. She had another big feast for her ladies. So they were they were separate but equal parties. They were they were two different parties and two different halls or whatever. And they didn't you know all the dudes were in one, and all the women were in the other one. So on the seventh day of the feast, when the king was absolutely drunk, right, the most drunk. Uh, I mean, he'd, he'd been partying for 180 days and then another seven days on top of it, right? So he was at peak <laughs> hungover slash drunkenness, whatever, like riding the high. On the seventh day, he told his servants or whatever to go fetch his queen, Queen Vashti, and tell her to wear her crown and come show everyone at the men's only feast how beautiful she was. Uh, when you say the words just like that, it sounds innocent and fine. And Queen Vashti, upon hearing the request, promptly said, no fucking way. I'm, I'm not doing that. And it's not clear why exactly she refused this request. The simplest idea is that she knew it was a room full of drunk dudes and being summoned just to come walk around and be pretty was demeaning. And I get it, honey. Like, okay. There's also, though, an idea, because of the way that the verse is worded, that when the king summons her to quote unquote wear your wear your crown and come show your beauty, there's an idea that he wanted her to only wear her crown. If you get my drift, uh, which is a pretty easy drift to get. <laughs> and if that's the reason, then even more power to you for standing up for you know basic human decency and not not doing that. So whatever her reason and you kind of can't blame her either way but whatever her reasons she refused and the king was mad 
he talks to all of his royal team of lawyers and everything about it after after the fact and he's like how dare how dare she tell me no like like who does she think she is i'm the king she's my queen uh she should do what i say uh, close optional whatever uh, what should we do about this and then one of his head lawyers like the hand of the king basically in the biggest display of patriarchal like little dick energy i've ever seen is he goes like like king you know she didn't just wrong you personally but she set a precedent word will spread across the kingdom women everywhere will hear of what she did and be inspired to rebel against their husbands like oh this will cause anarchy in your whole kingdom we can't let this go my recommendation as counsel as hand to the king is to banish her from the kingdom this will send a message to everyone in the kingdom that women better listen to their husbands and not talk back basically is what he said and the king's like yeah yep you're absolutely right you're a thousand percent right let's do that so he not only banished queen vashti from the kingdom which as i just read before was over a lot of stuff right 127 provinces he banishes her from the kingdom whatever but also sent out a news report and declarations about the banishment letting everyone know what had happened like he didn't do it quietly he announced it on primetime whatever network television and then also made declarations that all women should serve their husbands and just really just set women's suffrage back a shit ton with this whole this whole act right so not cool uh you know like i i stand with queen vashti like she didn't do anything wrong i don't think anyway so that happened so a little fast forward a little ways and uh she's she's banished we never hear from her again by the way like spoiler alert but she's gone she gets banished she never comes back there's no happy ending for vashti unfortunately all this happens and in the future a little ways little ways down the road the king starts to get a little lonely and his best friends the hand of the king saw that there needed to be a new queen so he tells the king hey i have an idea how about we round up all the most beautiful women in all the kingdom to come appear before the king and whoever pleases you the most will become your new queen it's like it's literally the first ever the the old testament edition version of the bachelor right <laughs> it's, it's that show it's the whole thing and of course the king was thrilled by it right of course he's into it so that's what they're doing they're doing open casting calls and auditions or whatever i guess for all the fair maidens to be on king xerxes like the bachelor <laughs> and as the news went out there was a guy named mordecai right a jew in the land who was raising his young cousin who she was an orphan we don't know how or why but she was an orphan and her name was of course esther now esther was gorgeous and was of course scooped up to be a contestant for the king but before she left to go be on the show mordecai had instructed esther not to tell anyone about her heritage not quite sure why I can't remember if there's a reason or not listed in the passage but he's like hey 
Uh, we should keep it. We should lay low with the Jew stuff. Just smile a lot and be fine. Um, she, she keep it on the down low, and she did. And in preparation for the pilot episode of the King's, you know, Bachelor show, uh, there was a eunuch who was in charge of the women contestants named uh, Hegai or Hegi Hegai. I think it's Hegai. And for whatever reason, this eunuch, Haggai, loved Esther. Like, it just, it, she was just his favorite. And, like, not, not romantically, but, like, just favored her. Just, like, you know, whatever. Haggai gave Esther, like, all this stuff, all this insider, you know, info, and trained her up real well. Like, <laughs> like have you seen the episode of Seinfeld? Where Jerry starts dating, what was it like a like a Miss America contestant, and then Kramer takes over a, as her tutor and like shows her how to do it and everything, and and kind of bombs their relationship together. Uh, it's like that. It's 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 Kramer is is the eunuch in this story, and then Esther is the girl. So after all this, they do the show, they do the pilot episode, whatever. They have all the girls come out and do everything, and the king falls in love with with esther like he's totally in of all the women all the contestants she is his favorite and she gets the rose or whatever they do on that show and then he marries her and he makes her his new queen to replace vashti right so so far so good so then shortly after she's made queen right in another story arc her uncle mordecai discovers a plot by two of the king's advisors who wanted to kill the king uh, and then when mordecai heard about it he let esther know he got a message to her and said hey the king's life is in danger these two guys are trying to assassinate him and then esther took it to the king who looked into it and they got some, their best detectives on it and whatever and they found out that it was an open and shut case and they absolutely were going to assassinate the king and their plot was foiled and they, they were hung right they were they were they were killed for high treason or whatever against the king and then and esther gave her uncle mordecai all the credit and it was like written in their log books and it was noted and like you know like it was a news report and everything it's all big this is all big deal right but she, she didn't still tell that it was like Mordecai was her uncle. She just said, hey, this guy, this dude Mordecai told me about this story. And that's how it got passed along, right? She's still keeping her Judaism like on the down low. But anyway, so then the king, I guess, needed a new hand of the king, a new second in command or whatever, and a new, you know, a new best friend. And he promotes this guy, Haman, to this position and and Haman gets paraded around and everyone in the kingdom bows down to Haman because he's in this new powerful position right the new hand of the king and everyone except Mordecai Mordecai doesn't bow so Haman started asking around like hey uh, did you see that one douche during my parade who didn't bow down to me uh, what's the deal with that guy and he keeps asking around, and every day, and every day he goes by, and when he enters the room or whatever, everyone bows down except Mordecai. So he just gets madder and madder, whatever, and finally he finds out the reason. And I, I don't know, I can't remember if he like has Mordecai himself or someone else does or whatever. But Mordecai's like, oh, it's not like personal, bro. Like I just like I'm Jewish, and we don't bow down to anyone except our God, right? You know, nothing personal. Uh, you know, don't don't take offense. Just kind of my it's my part of my religion. It's part of my thing. But Haman does not like that answer. He is not okay with it. He's like, how dare he? How dare he? I did not come here to be personally attacked. And Haman decides 
that if the reason that Mordecai won't bow down to him because that he's Jewish, if that's the reason, then like like this escalates so quickly. Haman doesn't even try to like get Mordecai himself killed right on the sly, right? Like didn't just try to, like push him out a window sometime or whatever. Like no, Haman this escalates so quickly. Haman decides the best course of action, right? because he's so butthurt about Mordecai not bowing down to him, his his best course of action is full-on genocide. He wants to kill all the Jews. Like, <laughs> like, he puts in a plan into motion to kill all the Jews in the whole area, everywhere, in the whole 127 provinces or whatever that King Xerxes is now in charge of. Yeah, it's just like, come on, man. Like, like, that is the epitome of, like, petty and whatever. So... So Haman goes to the king. He's like, so king, I've been doing some research. And did you know that there's a group of people in your kingdom that uh, they're not like everyone else? Uh, this group of people, they have their own rules and they kind of don't give a crap about your laws or what you think. Uh, me personally, I, you know, just an idea. You know, I, I think this could be really bad for the kingdom. I think uh, maybe, possibly, we should just get rid of all these people. <laughs> I just want you to be successful, king. I just, I want you to be the greatest king ever. You know, I, I don't, I definitely don't have any ulterior petty motives or am butthurt over one guy at all. I don't, don't even think about that. <laughs> I just want what's best for your kingdom. Uh, and he's like, and then he goes on. He goes, in fact king i believe in it so much i will donate ten thousand talents of silver to the king's treasury just to help with the genocide just to help with the killing of these people now ten thousand talents of silver you might be asking how much is that so here's the math a talent is worth three thousand shekels a shekel is 15.35 grams so 10,000 talents equals 30 million shekels, which equals 460 million grams. He's like, great, Matt. That doesn't tell me much of anything. Converted to pounds, that's like 921,000 pounds. It's equal to about 460 tons of silver. So currently, a ton of silver is equal to about a million dollars. So 460 tons, rough math, would be equal to 460 million dollars in today's money. That's how much Haman wanted to kill all the Jews. Half a billion dollars of his own money to help pay for the genocide, the wiping out of these people, because Mordecai wouldn't bow down. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot and the king is like that sounds like a great idea i can see you're really committed that's a lot of money you know we we, we can't have these uh these non-conformists in the kingdom at all right you know he's like you know what in fact i i'm so you've inspired me so much don't even worry about paying me that half a billion i got you dog let's just do the genocide thing uh, and so uh, a decree goes out in all the land on the 13th day of the 12th month that there would be a 24-hour long day where everyone was encouraged to murder any Jews they wanted and that they could take their stuff. Like, and, and if you're catching what I'm putting down, 
you are thinking correctly. This is, in fact, the first ever recorded biblical example of the purge, right? It's a, it's a very specific purge. It's a focused purge against one group of people, which is horrible, even as far as purges go. But at least in... like. <laughs> At least in the Purge movies, they have the decency to open up the Purge to everyone, everywhere, and everyone can kill anyone that they want. This was specifically just a Purge day against the Jews, uh, which is super fucked up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was what it was. So, so we got this Purge day going on. So, of course, Mordecai hears about the upcoming Purge day or whatever, as does every other Israelite in the area. And there's a and there's great mourning and sadness and I'm like I mean obviously like like what were those old like Bugs Bunny cartoons not to make light of all this but uh, where they were like oh it's rabbit season it's duck season it's rabbit season it's duck season like like when you just find out it's it's open season on against your ethnicity right like 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 posters are going up on trees like it's it's juice season like that's troubling right that's not okay man so. <laughs> Esther, like, catches wind about it, of course, right, at the upcoming Purge Day. And Mordecai sends Esther a message and tells her, you're the queen, you're the queen, please, please talk to the king and have him reverse this. And Esther sends back a message, and she's like, you know the rules. No one, not even I, the queen, can just drop in on the king without being summoned. Like, dropping in unannounced is called a pop-in, and the king hates the pop-in. <laughs> and the general rule is that if you pop in on the king without him summoning you, then you automatically get put to death, right? You don't, he hates the pop-in. Unless, unless he holds out his golden scepter to you, which spares you from dying. So it's very high risk, right? Like he's, <laughs> he's got to be in a good mood and, and not want you to be dead right there. So, you are guilty and then sentenced to death unless he pardons you. And it's been like 30 days at this point since the king had summoned Esther. So she's very scared of the pop-in. But Mordecai's like, like, but like, how do you not know that you were placed there by God to be queen just for this moment, right? Like maybe this is what it was all leading to. And Esther's like, you're right, you're right. And she says, listen, have all the Jewish people pray and fast for me for the next three days and at the end of three days i will i'll do the pop in on the king and i hope that he spares me if i die i die that's basically what she says i think i think her words i think her words officially like the king james version are like if i perish i perish or something like that which might be my next tattoo i'm not sure like <laughs> like <laughs> quotes then esther Three days later, she gets on her royal clothes, and she looks all nice or whatever, and she does this pop-in on the king, and she's super worried, and, you know, maybe he's having a bad day, maybe he's just not into it, whatever, maybe he's want to take out his frustrations. He did banish Vashti, you know, at his last party, you know, uh, when he was having a good time. Maybe he's having a bad day, and he just lets her die uh, for doing the pop-in. We don't know. She doesn't know. She's like, does this dress make me look fat? Like, she's got all this anxiety, so much anxiety. So there she is. She walks in. She's standing in his inner circle, inner court, whatever. She doesn't belong. She wasn't invited. She wasn't summoned. He takes a deep breath, and, and he sees her there. He sees her there, unannounced, unsummoned, unwhatever. There she is. And then he, 
of course, he extends his, his scepter to her. Like, he hadn't seen her in 30 days. She's gorgeous. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, lessen the whole thing. But, like, what was she even worried about? Like, he's not mad at all. He's, I don't know what she was worried about. Like, he goes, like, he's delighted, actually. He's like, my queen. Like, like what a great pop-in. <laughs> like, 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 he's like, what do you need? What do you request of me? I will grant you anything up to half of the kingdom. And which I think we've talked about before in the show is like a popular expression that everyone likes to like offer. Like, I'll give you anything up to half the kingdom. Like, I'm just waiting for one day to like, yep, that's what I came here for. I would really like half of your kingdom. Like, because everyone keeps offering it. <laughs> Maybe not be so flippant with that. But anyway, uh, but he was excited to see her. So everything was fine. So she's there and like, he just, he just asked her like, what are you asking me? What do you want? Why are you here? Like, what can I do for you? Right. And she says, what do you think she says? What do you think? Do you think she fires from the hip about the upcoming like like purge day on the Jews? No. She's smart. She says, if it pleases the king, I request that you and Haman boo, uh, join me for a happy hour that I have prepared. Cocktail hour, whatever you want to call it. And the king says, like, shoot, yeah, babe. Uh, servants, go get Haman right this second. Tell them we're, we're having drinks. It's, ha it's happy hour. So the king and Haman and Esther all get together, and they have a little cocktail party that she put together. And the king is like, you know, like, uh, you know, a couple couple in or whatever. He's like, okay, Esther, now for reals. This was super nice. This was super cool. But tell me what you really want. Again, up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. Do you think she brings up the purge this time? No. She still, again, she says, oh, well, if it may, if it pleases the king, I would really, really like it. <laughs> I really, really want uh, for tomorrow for you and Haman to join me again for another round of drinks. And the king's like, okay, all right, Haman, clear your schedule. We're having drinks again tomorrow with Esther. And so then Haman left that day. He left, he left cocktail hour overjoyed. He's like, the queen must really like me. She keeps inviting me out for cocktails. I'm getting in real good with the king and his wife. If the boss's wife likes you, then you know it's a good sign, right? You know you're in a good spot. And he's super happy about it. And he's walking through the courtyard or whatever, walking away from the drinks with the king and queen. He's walking with a, with a swagger. He's got this shit-eating grin on his face and everything. He's on cloud nine. And then he looks over, and he just happens to glance and see Mordecai. <laughs> and in a blink of an eye, all of his happiness and joy and everything just evaporates from his body, just, just leaves every cell that he has, and he instantly gets enraged. And he's like, this motherfucker, <laughs> how dare he not bound to me? Doesn't even know I just had, like, drinks with the king and queen. Like, I'm amazing, why won't this douchebag bow down to me? So Haman goes home and he talks with his wife, Zeresh or whatever, and tells her uh, all this good news about the cocktail hour and all that. But then he also talks and complains about Mordecai and how much he hates him. And his wife, like, I guess they make a good couple, right? Because his wife, Zeresh, was like, you know, here's what you should do, babe, honey. Why don't you build some gallows? Like, you know, where you hang people on like real tall ones, like like the biggest ones we've ever seen, and ask the king if he would mind, you know, if you could just hang Mordecai on them. 
whatever. Like, let's let's have a good old fashioned hanging. Uh, let's make the gallows seventy five feet tall. Would that make you happy? Like just like like the biggest gallows you ever seen, and we'll hang we'll hang that guy. And Haman was like, yeah, you know, babe, that would make me happy. A seventy five foot tall hanging like a gallows. Great idea, babe. That's that's why I married you. What would I do without you, you little psychopath? You like. I don't know. And then he immediately pays some guys to go build the gallows for hanging. That's that same very day. Like he got contractors on it, immediately put people to work doing it. So there that night, that very same night, the king couldn't sleep. He tossed and he turned and whatever, but the, the king couldn't sleep at all. So I don't know about you, but I have trouble sleeping without the TV on parks and recreation or community or whatever always you know office or something you know it has to be a show i can't watch a new show that i that i haven't seen before because it piques my interest and then i i stay up interested in the show but if it's a show that i've seen a bunch of times over again then i can go to sleep because my brain's like oh we know what happens in this episode we're good and i can check out uh, but if i don't have the tv on then I, my brain just constantly thinks all night for hours and hours so i need like a a slight distraction that's not too interesting i'm super weird i know but so that's what i do to try to get to sleep <laughs> uh, and the old testament version of that i guess is that the king when he couldn't sleep had servants of his read out because they didn't have netflix or whatever you know hulu he had his servants read out like ledgers and the log books of past events and that happened under his rule like right like so tell me some good stories about myself is basically what's happening so this this one night they're reading through everything that happened in the past few years or whatever and they happen to stumble upon and go over the story of where mordecai through esther saved the king's life from assassination and the king says to his servants hey what what rewards did we give mordecai for saving my life and the servants are like, oh, let me check, let me check, let me check. You know, flip, 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 flip pages, whatever. They're like, uh, your majesty, there's no record of him getting any kind of reward at all. And the king's like, what? How can that be? Whatever. And then instantly, before he could finish that sentence, there was a knock on his door. And it was Haman. Boo. <laughs> Haman had arrived literally in that moment, talk about bad timing, to ask for permission to hang Mordecai. So there's a knock on the door, right? And then and and the king's like, ah, who is it? Like, oh, it's Haman. Like, great, Haman, come on in. And he's like, I don't know why you're here in the middle of the night, but whatever. He's like, Haman, perfect timing. I'm glad you're here. And Haman says, My Majesty, I have come with a request. Dot dot dot. And the king's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that later. But first, I need to ask you something. So Haman's like, Okay, shoot. What you need? He says, what would you recommend, right? I'm looking for your input. Let's say that somebody, just a guy I know, let's say I, the king, wanted to honor this man. Like, I think this guy is really great, right? I want to reward him for being great. Uh, just like, he's the best. What do you think I should do for this guy? And Haman, of course, egotistical Haman, thinks he's like, this is it. The queen likes me now, and now the king wants to honor me, right? I'm like, I'm, I've made it. Like, this is the highest, like, I can be in the whole kingdom. Like, I'm so, like, I'm so great. <laughs> this is amazing. And Haman goes full on diva mode. 
And he goes, here's what I recommend, my king. For the man that you want to honor, you should give him some of your very own clothes, the king's clothes, and let him ride on the king's own personal horse and then put a crown on that man's head and choose one of your highest ranking officials to walk the honoree on the horse through the town wearing your clothes and wearing that crown shouting out that this is how the king honors a man <laughs> like this is what this is what i recommend that you should do and the king is like Haman, that's brilliant that's perfect here take my clothes take my horse go do everything you just said and Haman starts off like well why thank you king i'm so you know, basically, about like said, like thank you for thinking of me, whatever. And but the king keeps talking. The king isn't listening to Haman or whatever. The king just keeps talking. He's like, go do everything that you just said for that guy Mordecai, the Jew. <laughs> and Haman, Haman's like, what? <laughs> like, like record scratch. You know, like, like what? And he's like, yeah, everything you just said. Uh, here's my clothes. Here's my horse. Here's a crown. Go walk him through, and I want you to be the high-ranking official that you mentioned. I want you to, to escort him through the town and shout out and tell everybody everywhere that Mordecai is honored and that the king really likes him, right? Like he's, he, <laughs> he's one of the king's favorite people. So Haman's like, you got you got to be fucking kidding me right now. Like, for reals? And But he doesn't have a choice. He does it. He does the whole thing. Mordecai gets put on this horse and gets paraded around the city. And Haman has to, like, yell out, like, how great he is and everything. And Haman is mortified. He hates every breathing second of this. Um, they, but they, they finish the parade or whatever. And he, then he, he wraps it up. He changes clothes because, I don't know, whatever. He's sweaty from walking around the horse all day with Mordecai on it. And he wraps it up, and at least, though, he has this to look forward to. He can go have cocktail hour with the king and queen. So again, the king, now they're at a cocktail hour, and the king tell us, tells Esther, he's like, okay, this is day two. Now tell me what do you really want. Like, tell me. Tell me what you want. Ask for anything up to half of the kingdom, and I'll give it to you. And she says, please, if it pleases the king... Please, all I wish is for my life to be spared. And of course, the king's like, the fuck? Like, what? Like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? And she continues. She says, someone wishes to do me harm, me and my people. If we had merely been just sold into slavery but not killed, I wouldn't even be bothering you, the king, with it. But if this plan goes through the way it is now, we shall perish and the king is like what are you talking about what kind of stupid idiot would try and kill you my beautiful queen what are you on about right now what are you talking about but she stands up and she points and she says the wicked man that means to do me harm is none other than haman and she points at haman and throws him right under the bus right and the king is livid. He's so pissed. And he's like, I, I, I literally can't even process this right now. I don't even know what's happening. I, I can't even. 
he's like, he goes, he goes, I need some air. So he goes out into his garden. Like, he leaves him alone for a second. Like, he just, like, he has to go, like, collect his thoughts and try and wrap his head around what was just told to him. And so then Esther is there with Haman, and Haman is scared as shit. So he already had a bad day with, like, the whole Mordecai, like, horse thing. But now he knows the king is mad at him, so he starts groveling to Esther. He's like, please save me. Please convince the king not to kill me. And she's like, nope, get away from me. Get away from me. But he's like kind of like clawing, kind of like groveling. Like, no, no, no. Like, you know, please, please, please. And as he's groveling, he trips and he falls onto Esther, who was on the couch. And just as the king comes back in, and it looks like she's like on the couch, and he's on top of her on the couch, and it looks kind of like he's trying to rape her or some shit or whatever, and the king loses it even more, and the king's like, "Are you shitting me right now?" Are right, like, like even before like his sentence, even before the sentence was done, I think, like, are you like dot dot dot? Before the sentence was done guards had rushed in and they grabbed Haman and like put like a pillowcase over his head or whatever and dragged him out of the room screaming or something and then one of the servants says hey king just FYI uh, just yesterday Haman built a 75 foot tall gallows to hang Mordecai on he really wanted to kill Mordecai the guy you just paraded through the city and the king's like what like I had no idea Haman had such a boner for killing Mordecai. Like, where was this coming from? He's like, you know what? Screw that guy. He's a dick. <laughs> Hang him on his own gallows. And that's what happened. Haman was hung on his own gallows that was supposed to be for Mordecai. So Haman's dead. And then Mordecai was promoted and given Haman's job and his house and everything. So a good, like, temporary turn of events, right? The main bad guy is, is dead. And Mordecai is promoted, which is nice and everything. Esther is saved, right? She didn't, you know, from the pop-in and all that. But it didn't solve all their problems because the purge was still happening. The purge day was still coming up. And then, you know, Esther asked the king, like, can you reverse it? Can we undo it? Can we cancel it? Right? Right? Just call it a snow day or something. Just, like, just avoid it. And, uh, but unfortunately, like, the king had already made a decree. And he couldn't cancel it. But he said... I'll make a second decree. If people still want to try and have a purge day, we're going to make it a purge day. And so on the 13th day of the 12th month, they had a full on all the way, like, like one side versus the other, like purge day. If anyone hated the Jews and wanted to try and kill them, they were legally permitted to do so. But the Jewish people were encouraged to band together, and it was also legal for them to stand their ground, <laughs> whatever, to kill their attackers. Uh, and But they weren't alone. The king's governors and the rulers and government officials and a bunch of other like high-profile whatever people all stood with the Jewish people as well. So they weren't alone. It wasn't just them against the world. They had friends, right? They had, they had people with them. And so on that day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, on the day of the purge, most people opted to not try and kill the Jews <laughs> because, I mean, they were ready to defend themselves. It wasn't an easy fight. 
There were a few uh, just really big racist, you know, Nazi dickheads that tried to do something against the Jews, but they failed miserably. Uh, I think it says at the end of it all, 75,000 of the attackers died, including Haman's 10 sons, uh, who were also hung from the gallows as well. They were, they were clearly just like Haman and also like Nazi, whatever, dicks, but... They, but they all died. So 75,000 people, which is a lot, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But they had it coming, right? They they initiated the attack. They they went and f- they went looking for trouble when they really shouldn't have. So it's all on them. Uh, as the, as and after the after the purge day had ended and everything, uh, the king wrote up a proclamation, a story of Haman's treachery and the story of Mordecai and the Jews and Esther and what had happened. And so that they wanted, he wanted everyone, everyone in all the provinces, everyone in all the land to know how Esther had saved her people. And that's why she gets her own book <laughs> and, and her own holiday and everything. She, she won The Bachelor. <laughs> she became the queen and, and she put her life on the line and she, she risked it all to save the people from genocide. Esther was awesome. It's an amazing story. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a fantastic week. Cheers.